Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 2nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. New manufacturing data reveal the impact of Donald Trump's trade policies. The brokerage, Charles Schwab, took a hit to its own share price, as did its competitors, after eliminating its stock trading fees. And a U.S. court says states can set their own rules when it comes to internet speed, or net neutrality. Plus, the FT's Sam Jones explains the fallout from the surveillance scandal at Credit Suisse. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. You would have to go back a decade to see the last time U.S. manufacturing activity looked this bad. A key indicator shows that activity in the sector contracted for the second consecutive month in September, falling to its lowest level since the global recession. The drop in output wasn't unique to the U.S. In fact, this summer it was lower than a year earlier in all 36 advanced economies. One economist blamed the uncertainty in U.S.-China trade for the weakness, adding that it meant companies were putting off investment decisions. The Global Purchasing Managers Index in September recorded its fifth month below the 50 mark, which divides an expansion from a contraction. That's the longest period that indicator has been so low since 2012. And yes, manufacturing is only one small part of the global economy, but it's one of the most volatile sectors. And it often acts as a leading indicator of global swings and economic fortunes. Some of the biggest brokerage firms are trying to keep up as online-only competitors become more popular. And yesterday, Charles Schwab did away with fees entirely for trading stocks, ETFs, and options listed in the U.S. or Canada. Two years ago, Schwab dropped its fees to just under $5 from around $9, setting off a wave of copycat moves. These kinds of measures are meant to keep up with apps including Robinhood, which have gained market share. Charles Schwab, the brokerage's founder himself, described the scrapping of commissions as the realization of his, quote, ultimate vision, making investment accessible for all. The move for retail U.S. investors didn't do much for its own investors. Shares in Schwab ended the day down 9.7 percent. And it affected competitors, too. TD Ameritrade saw one of its biggest one-day falls in decades, dropping 25.8 percent. E-Trade was also hit. It fell 16.4 percent. And yesterday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit dealt a blow to the Trump administration when it comes to how rules are set regarding Internet speed. The FT's Kieran Stacey explains the significance behind the judge's ruling. Tuesday marked an important milestone in the fight over so-called net neutrality. One of the Trump administration's first decisions on coming into office was to overturn rules put in place by Barack Obama, preventing internet providers from slowing down or even blocking internet access to some of their users. The Obama administration had argued that the internet was a utility and should be governed as such, while the Trump administration says it's an information service which companies should be able to limit if they want to. When the Federal Communications Commission overturned the Obama-era rules back in 2017, they were immediately taken to court by Mozilla, the internet search engine, which claimed that the move was illegal. Judges here in Washington, D.C., however, ruled on Tuesday that the FCC had acted lawfully, but importantly also said states should be able to set their own tougher rules if they wished, which many have said they want to. Um, There is a path open for appeal to the Supreme Court on this decision, which either side could choose to take if they want to. 
But right now, the FCC's new rules remain in place, while states like California and Washington and Oregon, they're likely to proceed with their own attempts to put net neutrality rules back in place, at least in some parts of the U.S. And here's a closer look at a story you should know more about. On Tuesday, Credit Suisse was hit with some hard news. A contractor who was involved in a corporate espionage scandal for the company had died by suicide. The same day, after the bank's board heard details about the surveillance operation, Credit Suisse's chief operating officer and the bank's head of security resigned. The FT Switzerland correspondent, Sam Jones, explains how the Swiss investment bank got to this point. To sort of understand this whole story, you have to go actually right back to the beginning of the summer when Iqbal Khan, who was the head of wealth management at Credit Suisse, one of their most successful and senior bankers, suddenly announced that he was departing from the bank. And then you sort of fast forward a bit and details over the summer emerged of a, a bit of a dispute between Khan and management at the bank over what his future might be. Khan is a young guy, he's 43, young for his position anyway. And there was some sense of tension between him and senior management over the amount of recognition he'd been getting. Finally, it was announced that he was going to take up a new job at UBS, which is Credit Suisse's big rival, and he was going to start this at the beginning of October. And then, in the middle of September, suddenly this story erupted in the local press in Zurich about Khan being followed. And Khan, as was recounted here in some of the the more lurid tales, was chased by whoever was following him, or perhaps he chased the investigator who was after him. And then some kind of confrontation occurred. Where did it go from there, Sam? Khan made a complaint to the federal prosecutor who opened an investigation, made three arrests soon afterwards, and then very soon the trail led back to Credit Suisse. And as what later transpired came to light was that Credit Suisse had ordered the surveillance on Khan because they were concerned that although he had quit and was on gardening leave, he might poach uh, some of either Credit Suisse's most talented staff who had worked for him, or he might take clients of the bank with him to their rival UBS. You mentioned a dispute between Mr. Khan and management at the bank. You write Mr. Khan not only butted heads with Tijan Tiam, Credit Suisse's CEO at work, but they were also neighbors and locked horns over things like long-term construction projects. And at one point, they had to be separated in an altercation. So you've got this conflict to start with. And then, you know, the surveillance thing happens. What then happens on Tuesday? Yeah, so this weekend we were expecting a report to be concluded by an independent law firm that Credit Suisse's board had hired. That was delivered. The board was digesting that. But then what also happened, very tragically, was that the consultant who Credit Suisse had hired, who's really at the sort of center of this whole surveillance row, he killed himself. He actually killed himself earlier in the week, but news of it didn't come out until this weekend. And obviously, news of his death has actually overshadowed the bank's attempts to draw a line under this. And and now, even more questions are being asked. Sam, what's next for Credit Suisse? So they've really been struggling to get ahead of the news flow on this story. And on Tuesday morning, they called a press conference at very short notice to announce the results of this review that they conducted. And the chairman, Urs Rona, gave a sort of speech about you know what had happened and expressed real concern over what had happened, but also very staunchly backed Credit Suisse's management and, and TGNTM. 
Now, the COO has resigned from the bank. He was a very close ally of to GenTM. A lot of people are asking whether it is conceivably possible that the chief executive, TGNTM, knew about what the chief operating officer had licensed with this surveillance. The independent investigation says there is absolutely no evidence connecting the CEO to the surveillance activities that were conducted. But the investigators also said that they didn't look at private communications that had been deleted on this messaging service between the COO and Mr. Tian. But meanwhile, shareholders, management, and the board are pretty unified behind Mr. Tian in saying that he is not responsible and that uh, he needs to stay in charge to see this through and to continue his strategy of change at the bank. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com. Today, we'll be following Boris Johnson as he makes his keynote speech at the UK Conservative Party conference in Manchester. He says he will make a, quote, final offer to Brussels to end the Brexit deadlock. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.